Dude, Michael Vincent, and another guest co-host. Introduce yourself, young man. Hey, everybody. I'm Curtis Garrett, and I've uh, been, been hanging out in the back alleys of LTL for 15 years. So. Right. <laughs> awesome. Former truck driver, too. That's right. Brings That's a little right. credibility to discussion. Well, we're going to get into awesome stuff today. We're talking about uh, two awesome East Coast sports. Have invested a lot of money. They're starting to see dividends in the expansion they've been doing over in the Port of Boston and in the Port of Baltimore. Awesome guest from there. Rooster Super Trucker will get us up to date on what's going on with AB5 over in Oakland. And they really got, they, they're going to break down that simulator. Vincent, remember we showed that simulator uh, the other day? Yeah. We yeah, were yeah, completely yeah, yeah. unqualified. Is this the same one we're going to do? Yeah, we were completely cool. unqualified to break it down. So we're going to oh, yeah. have them break no. it down. And you can, you probably can help us too, Curtis, with your experience in the cab. I hope. Yeah. Cool. And yeah. we're going to get to Curtis and we'll get to all sorts of stuff. Uh, Rachel Premax sitting there in the bullpen. And she's not even hiding behind a uh, an image this time. So let's tip the band and we'll bring her up. Did you know that AIT Worldwide Logistics is one of the fastest growing forwarders out there? They grew by 400% over the past five years, earning a spot on Crane's Chicago Business 50 list. How do they do it? By earning their customers' trust with cost-effective, customized global supply chain solutions. Find out how your business can benefit when you visit. Tell them, dude. Hey, go to AITWorldwide.com. All right, it's Rachel Premack, Editorial Director at Freight Waves. Happy birthday, Rachel Premack. Happy birthday. Hey, guys. Oh my gosh, what is this? Wow, wow. <laughs> there you go. Now I know how you really feel. <laughs> that I've been sitting in an quickly. orange room. How are you celebrating? Um, well, I talked to a bunch of truck drivers yesterday. Um and then I went to a play. It was actually my first time ever going to a play in New York, which is a little embarrassing because I've lived here since for like five years um, or four years, depending on like, you know, uh, you taking out COVID, yeah. I guess. I'll <laughs> yeah, yeah. I'm taking out COVID. Um, what play was it? What did so, you see? Was it Wicked? It was. My friend got tickets to this like Greek tragedy. It was four hours long. Oof. Boom. I yeah, it was it was interesting. It was a good play. Um, I was a little glad that it was free because it was four hours long. Wow. Um, so, but yeah, it was interesting. It was I, I felt it was definitely a more elevated night of culture than um, elevated. Yeah, but my how many Tuesday how, night? Like elevated horror, like an H one. Yeah, how know? many times did you check your social media during that four hour play? Well, there there were intermissions. Um, oh, unfortunately, okay. I did check LinkedIn during one of the intermissions, which was okay. kind of embarrassing. Right. Um, Four but, hours. Well, you share yeah. a birthday with Queen Leditaris Brian May, Axe Murderer Lizzie Borden, and actors Topher Grace and Benedict Cumberbatch. Of those four, who are you most like? Um, <sighs> Topher Grace. I haven't thought about Topher Grace in a while. I, I used to really like that 70s show. I don't know any of them personally, so I can't say. Maybe the axe murderer. Yeah, I would think Lizzie so. Lizzie Borden, okay. Yeah, she <laughs> took an axe and gave her mother 40 wax. When she saw what she had done, she gave her father 41. Yeah. She was a masshole, too. Fall River. Yeah. 
Maybe that's why Rachel's always in a different location every time she's on camera. Maybe it is. She's wanted by the police. That's right. Yeah, so, <laughs> Rachel, what's going, on the, what's going on with yeah, the rails? So, like, I'm on Twitter, and then I saw you tweet out that, like, Monday morning, if they don't get this thing done, it's going to cost $4 trillion or something, and there's going to be this big rail strike. And then I said, Rooster, why didn't you tell me about this? And he looked into it, and then Biden tweeted and said, well, now we have 60 days. So, yeah. what's going on? Yeah, yeah. So... Uh, when I wrote my piece last week, uh, we didn't know whether or not we we're going to see this like massive rail strike that could shut down the entire countries and like supply chain essentially for who knows how long. But uh, Biden did. OK, actually, I'll just back back way up. So yeah. uh, we have one hundred fifteen thousand rail workers in the U.S. Mm -hmm. They are uh, unionized. They are the people running, you know, the trains all over the country so we can have coal and grain and chemicals and all these things that um, are useful to have a organized society. And they um, they have basically been in contract negotiations for years. Their contract uh, expired two like two and a half years ago. And because there are all of these uh, complex labor laws that govern when rail workers can go on strike. Uh, the stars basically aligned and they did have the opportunity to potentially strike on Monday if Biden had not appointed this presidential emergency board, which he did basically in the 11th hour. Um, so we are, you know, the, the threat of a strike coming over the U.S. this week has been averted for now. Uh, but there are lots of tensions between rail workers and their employees that have been uh growing over the past over the past few years. So Rachel, what are those tensions though when we go through this? What are, what are the sticking points in this contract? Yeah, so the the reasons that oh, now I see my videos is, is died. Um so the the issues going on right now uh they predate COVID and the big issues that really predate COVID would be the implementation of uh, precision scheduled railroading mm -hmm. as well as the implementation of these like longer and lo longer freight trains. Both of those just make the job far more challenging for drive for, uh, for conductors and engineers. You know, let's say it, uh, some part of the train breaks, you have to check every single car for three miles of train or, you know, probably you have a few other people working along with you. But it just it makes the job so much more challenging when the trains are much longer, when you have these sort of like PSR uh, tactics that are making the job more complicated. Uh, but during this during this past few years, uh Railroad companies really started to decrease their headcounts, really started to cut back because of PSR. They could work with fewer employees. Um, and now in 2020, 2021, uh, they were caught flat-footed with too few people, still tons of freight moving through. Um, and now we have still just like a really small, a much smaller crew than usual working on these railroads. Um, but freight is, you know, inching back up. So looking at data from the Surface Transportation Board, we have 28% fewer rail workers than we did in 2018. Um, but basically the the level of car loads and the level of employment are is completely out of whack and it's been mismatched since mid-2020. Well, so I mean, they're suffering just at scale from a lot of the same problems that have stemmed from the pandemic in terms of labor and congestion supply chain. Hey, Curtis, how exposed are you in LTL to rail? 
It's it's honestly one of those things that's kind of kept behind the curtains a little mm-hmm. bit. Yes, Sitting is. here thinking mm-hmm. about the comments there. You know, the first question I had is we talk about LTL being the long truckload or sorry, the long tail of, of truckload. I don't know necessarily where LTL fits into that, you know, that cycle or that stream. Um, but it LTL congestion or sorry, tri- uh, rail congestion has definitely affected LTL um, just with getting empties moved around the country uh, with, you know, some of the longer haul uh, east to west type mm-hmm. moves uh, where carriers do still, you know, put trailers on flatbed rail cars. Yeah, it's difficult. I mean, it's difficult to see one system broken and not uh, expect much yeah. out of it. Well, Rachel, um, fortunately, crisis averted there, at least for now. We have, what, 50 some odd days now for them to all figure this out. Uh, before we let you go, is there going to be a resolution? Will they have to extend this again? What are you hearing, at least at this point? Yeah, it looks like, uh, you know, the rail workers who I've spoken to basically have said uh, things have been so bad for so long that they don't even know if a good contract could really fix all these tensions. Um, but the it, it is it is definitely causing a lot of issues right now. It just uh, just as previously mentioned, you know, uh, the congestion is backing things up at the Port of L.A., Port of Long Beach, other ports around the U.S. So um, while this is all getting worked out, we are definitely still seeing crunches in the supply chain, even without a strike. All right, Rachel, send her to the Wheel of Stupid Questions. Oh, let's do it's that. Her birthday. We can't. All right. Well, it was her birthday. Ah, uh, there it is. Are you now, ready? Technically, her birthday is the furthest away because it was yesterday. So now she's got to wait 364 days. <laughs> yeah, it is. But it run birthday today, yeah. which is cool. So, but hey, are you ready? Here it is. Why hasn't anyone yes. adopted, why hasn't anyone adapted the chain wallet to be a cell phone wallet? A chain wallet to be the cell phone wallet. Well, remember, like, remember, like, uh, phone holders that were, like, on your belt? Yeah. Like, whatever happened to that? That was a very, like, 2005, like, dad thing, I felt like. Oh, they're still um, out there. Yeah. Walk in, walk in so, the, I mean, a, a grocery store in rural North Carolina, you'll see them. Oh, they're still there. <laughs> the, the yeah, but there should holster. be a chain connected to It works to better them. with the flip phone. You need a chain connected to it. It works better with the flip phone than an iPhone. Well, yeah, okay, Ra- yeah. Well, Rachel, if, you know, if, your, if your fiancé showed up wearing a chain wallet, uh, what would your reaction be? I might not be, you know, I might, I might set down my ring for a few days. Oh, wow. wow. <laughs> as long as he had a fanny pack. As long as he also had a fanny pack. <laughs> I think it would actually be kind of funny. I, I would, I would find it a little bit funny. Um, yeah. Yeah. I haven't I seen one on anyone since like Chris Angel in 2007 on his Mind Freak show. So I think it's been long enough. Yeah. I, I, think, yeah. I think if he had a fanny pack with it, that'd be fine. Bring back the right. fanny pack. Yeah. Like as long as that's fanny pack. Packs, fanny packs are, are back in. Those yeah. are back in trend. Those are well, that's that's what I'm saying. Yeah. I've got, a, Disney. I've sure. got well, the kids wear them like bandolas, though. They wear them like around, <laughs> you know, they, they do it here. Not I, the I wear them like that. <laughs> yeah. Well, you're one of the kids. Rachel, yeah, thank you so exactly. much. Go to FreightWaves.com yeah. and read our articles and subscribe to our newsletter modes because it's good. Take care, Rachel. Thanks, guys. Wow. Bye. What an awful birthday she had. And she had, she had like no bones about saying that she was stuck at like a play for four hours. Thank, Thank goodness it was free. Thank right. goodness it was free. <laughs> All right. Well, let's ship over to Boston because I see Lauren Gleason over in the green room. She's deputy port director of business development at the Massachusetts Port Authority or some call Massport. Michael Vincent, we were just talking about Massport. They found that cat at Logan Airport, the one who got lost. Oh, that's right. That's exactly they right. They did. So big karma for Massport. Lauren, thank you for coming on the show today. We appreciate it. 
Hi, Tim and, and everyone. How are you? <laughs> yeah, we have a special guest co-host with us today. It's Curtis Garrett. He was in the area. He's an LTL specialist, and he will be working very soon with Boston-based company Freight Plus. So he just joined over with them. So he'll be uh, operating Excellent. out of your territory. You just stole my thunder. I just stole it. <laughs> oh, I did. Oh, my gosh. He's telling us at the end of the show. Well, I told I was, everyone that now. Sorry. Right. I'm they sorry. I, right. I was just trying thunder to Thunder uh, has been eliminated. I didn't mean to steal your thunder. I was going to say, I had I had blockchain on my crypto wallet. Yeah, blockchain. Yeah. Yes. Well, you're full with of jokes. Yes. <laughs> so, hey, Laura, tell us a little bit about it. Set the table. What's been going on at Conley? I know you had that massive dredging project. Last time we talked to you, you are talking about bringing in new calls. And I saw, I saw a rumor that there was almost four new calls being put in there. Maybe more? I'm not sure. Tell us what's up. Yeah, so I, I'm pleased to say that rumor you heard is correct. We have four new services that we are pleased to announce in 2022. It has been such an exciting time here in Boston. Um, we're servicing over 2,500 businesses throughout New England and beyond. Um, and yes, the $850 million in infrastructure investments are definitely paying off. We have the brand new Berth 10. We have three new ship-to-shore cranes that can uh, service the 14,000 TEU vessels. And we have completed the Boston Harbor dredging project, which has been a fantastic project to dredge the harbor down to 47 feet, the berths down to 50 feet, and expand the turning basin to 1,725 feet. Um, it's been a great partnership with the Commonwealth of Massachusetts and the Army Corps of Engineers, um, all for the um, total result of keeping Boston competitive and making sure that we are the major gateway for all of New England and to provide solutions to remain congestion free. It's excellent stuff. So I see one of them is Costco coming in September, their new service that's coming in. Talk about that one. What's going on there? Yeah, so it's really exciting. So Costco Shipping has continued to make the commitment they've been calling here since 2002. Uh, so Costco Shipping will start to bring the service. It's called the AWE6, and that will help us connect um, to new ports like Lian Yangang, Abu Dhabi, Jeddah. Um, we'll have another call out of Kaimet, Vietnam, and Singapore. Um, so it's really exciting. There's also going to be a transshipment point through Piraeus, Greece. Um, and this is really exciting because the first ship, the Costco Shipping Rose, is a 13,800 TEU vessel. Um, so we expect to see that here in early September. Um, so we're really excited for Costco Shipping. Um, and that'll be operated by Costco and OOCL. Uh, so we have that service. Um, we also are really pleased that Mediterranean Shipping Company now has three weekly services through the Port of Boston. Uh, we have the Santana service, which they announced. Uh, that left uh, Haiphong, Vietnam in mid-July. Uh, that will arrive to Conley Terminal in late August. And that helps connect New England to places like Haiphong, Vietnam, uh, Da Chon Bay in China, um, and also various other locations throughout Asia, um, directly connecting through Boston. Um, and then besides the Santana service, we have the Indus 2 service, providing direct connectivity from India and the Mediterranean. And then also uh, the Boston Express, which we're so happy we have a service named after us. Um, but the Boston Express is service from Antwerp and La Havre um, to Boston, as well as the Port of Montreal. Oh, yeah. And then, of course, we can't um, forget about our newest customer to the port, Zim. Uh, Zim started calling here in May with the ZXB service, um, providing expedited connectivity from Yantian, China, and Kaimet, Vietnam, through the Suez Canal uh, to Baltimore, New York, and Boston. Um, so we're we're so thrilled and honored uh, that ocean carrier partners uh, like the ones that I've just mentioned have seen the value and, and know that they want to help provide solutions to their customers through congestion-free terminals like Boston. Oh, you've got to love to see the growth, right, Curtis? That's awesome. Yeah, that was a 
a laundry list of new services and companies in there. That's well, great. What's yeah. interesting about Port of Boston, for those of you who may not be familiar, is they only had a couple calls there up until recently. This expansion, this dredging project that they have been working on, this is massive, right, for for the port, Lauren. How how has this changed things over there for you? Or are you seeing more shippers come in? You see in the, the New England area becoming energized as this outlet, especially as, you know, there's. we were just talking recently about all the shippers who were nervous about the ILWU strike over on right. the West Coast and all the freight that's being diverted to the east coast it's got to be great to have more options to offer those shippers and that's always been the role and responsibility um, of my team and i here at massport we we feel um that we're the heartbeat of the port ecosystem and the and the cargo community here in new england and it's so important for us to provide options and reliability and as much direct connectivity as possible to connect globally. Um, the supply chain, as you know, um, has seen peaks and valleys over the last two years, and it's our responsibility to make sure um, that we can provide reliability, efficiency, and stability to um, you know over 2,500 businesses that have seen a lot of uncertainty in their supply chain. So they know that when they're partnering with the Port of Boston, they can sigh and they can take that you know sigh of relief because they know that they're going to have stability when working through our port. Well, Lauren, I used to work inches from where you are now over at Nine Dry Dock. And when I was doing that, I cleared fish, fish big through Boston. Has this expansion, though, changed any of the commodities that are coming through the port and, and opened up those doors at all? Absolutely, especially with the new connectivity. Now that we have three services connecting down to Southeast Asia, um, we have seen so much of a shift of sourcing and manufacturing, um, especially uh, in 2018 and beyond when there was um, you know, some tariff discussions between the U.S. and China. We saw a lot of our importers and exporters move to places like Vietnam and Thailand and India and elsewhere in Southeast Asia. And that has been huge to capture those markets, specifically in the industries of furniture, apparel, footwear, exercise equipment, and then also our recycled fibers and paper and pulp exporters who are looking and sourcing for new markets all the time in that region as well. So it's been huge to be able to offer to that connectivity. Um, and then same thing goes for the Mediterranean. Now that we have connectivity throughout Spain, Portugal, and Greece, that immensely helps our wine and spirits importers and all of, also the perishable food importers that are bringing in specialty foods from that part of the world. Wow. I thought it was very, very interesting that you talked about the expedited coming through uh, the Suez and not through through Panama. Is that common to come around that way instead of going through Panama as things shift to the East Coast? And the Panama kind of gets I, I think it went up to like two week wait time to get through it. It got very congested. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So it's, it's interesting where Boston is located geographically, as we meet with our ocean carrier partners, it actually makes more sense for Boston to be serviced via the Suez Canal. And we have yeah. seen a lot of benefit talking about that routing with the ocean carrier partners um, that we have discussions with uh, all the time. Um, so we're glad that that has come to fruition because it is making sense from a transit perspective. Well, Laura, I got to tell you, as someone who also, other than operations, I also sold freight and I sold freight in the Boston market. Having these options, a lot of sales guys out there happy, too, because they can offer these to sure. shippers. So I love to see the growth of the port. It's it's awesome. We can't wait to connect with you again. But we got to throw our wheel of stupid question at you before we let you go, Lauren. Are you ready for it? Yeah. Okay. yeah, yeah. <laughs> Why hasn't anyone adapted the chain wallet to a cell phone wallet? I am one of those people, my cell phone, I usually have a cell phone holder just with my credit card in the back. So I feel like I barely even have a wallet and I admittedly don't really ever carry cash. So I feel, I feel like I'm not a good use, use case for that question. Yeah. I think that's just it, right? Yeah. Everyone just has their cell phone now and with Apple Pay. You don't yes. really need a chain wallet. 
It was a heck of a fashion statement, though. I love it. I think we should bring it back. I think we should. Lauren, if people, uh, maybe they don't want to bring back chain wallets, but maybe they want to import them to the Port of Boston, who should I send them to contact? You should send them to contact either myself, uh, Kevin Laffey, or Jude Focum, who um, both report to me on my team. Uh, We're the business development team, and, and all of us would be happy to help. Uh, more and more shippers, not only in New England, but in the Northeast, uh, help, you know, officially move their freight today. Hey, say hi to those two guys for me, too. I will. Absolutely. <laughs> Take it easy. Excellent. Appreciate stuff. You. Thank you. Bye. Good. Good stuff. Well, yeah, their scope of impact has got to be widening there to the entire Northeast, right? Uh, yeah, and, and look, I, I I love to see it. I mean, obviously from Massachusetts, sure. uh, but I've worked with that port a lot. And that was always one of the challenges is the dredging in there. And they only had one to two services, and they're very reliant on that MSC call. And there was a very limited amount that you could offer to importers and exporters and how they can use the port. And it was a lot of a lot of fish and uh, a lot of spirits. And now they, their ability to expand that and go through the Suez and do all these things, it, it makes it so much more viable. And, you you know, guys, I think we need these in America, too. I mean, to eliminate some of this congestion, what's going on. And uh, I mean, especially we're going to talk to Rooster and Justin about what's going on over in Oakland. But having these other options is fantastic. Yeah, you talked about the spirits and the fish. I'd I'd be curious. I'd be curious to hear what other commodities are rising, you know, for them in that port. uh, Yeah. Yeah. In the future that there's going to be a blend of, you know, in the next 10 years, new commodities. Yeah, it'll be changing. I mean, you got to look to Buffalo. You got to look to down into Scranton, Pennsylvania and Pittsburgh. Even I mean, those are going to be areas that they're going to and certainly, you know, the rest of the Northeast. Well, the good news is I believe they will be coming on monthly, too. So we will be getting that information firsthand on how that port grows and what those changes mean. And um, hopefully maybe, maybe even be a case study for some of these other smaller ports that are thinking of expanding now and getting bigger and what that can yeah. actually mean to the city and the area that it's in. Well, you, and you made a really, really good point because when we started talking about AB5 and it hitting LA, right? Yeah. A lot of people on, on Twitter who weren't really paying attention were like, what, wait a minute. Wow, this feels like they shut down one port and the whole U.S. is screwed. Yeah. Right. So those other options, like you point out, Boston, et cetera, really, really important. Not to mention a big looming strike that could happen from the contract workers, yeah. not just truckers. You have the ILWU uh, yes. strike too. Let's get over to uh, Back to Truck Ups, Rooster and Super Trucker. Find out what's going on up over in Oakland first before we get there. What's up, gentlemen? Justin, let's start with you. How you doing today? The beard looks great as always. And I like the plant behind you. Purple passion plant and my uh, money plant. Oh, your money plant. Smart move. <laughs> you have carnivorous plants, too, don't you? Yeah, he's got his Venus flytrap. Oh, yeah. I got some Venus flytraps, some uh, sundews. They're a lot of fun. What is, uh, what is for other perspective, Venus flytrap owners, I have young boys, they would think one of those is pretty badass. What kind of tips do you have for caring for a Venus flytrap? No tap water. Give it direct sunlight on a windowsill. And that's it. That's what's, it. what's the coolest thing you ever uh, fed it? <laughs> well, like a mouse up in the northeast, we have <laughs> up in the northeast, we have those spotted lantern flies. They're like a menace up here, oh, yeah. and I just oh. anytime I catch one in the yard, I just you know right in the right in the plant. That's Eat it, man. See more. What's Do up with you, Mister uh, Rooster? Is that plane still flying over your house? I flew over this morning. The uh, local crop duster has been uh, harassing the family. He's a friend of ours, and. It, you know, anytime he comes in the neighborhood, he just has to make us uh, make us turn around right over the house. You got a guy that walks by and farts on your property? Not yet. <laughs> crop duster. <laughs> the local crop I'm just kidding with you, Rooster. By the way, meet our friend Curtis Garrett if you haven't yet had. He's an LTL specialist, former truck driver himself, too. So he's he's one of us boys. Hey, hey guys. Hey, how's it going? Good. So we got some footage here. Let's let's take a look at some footage in Oakland, and then we'll talk about what that what the hell's going on up there, guys. Roll the tape. Wow. 
What are we looking at here, Rooster? What was uh, what was happening out here? This was this yesterday or two days ago or today? Uh, I want to say yesterday. This is the line heading heading into the uh, port of Oakland. It should be making a turn here. You should see the protest here pretty shortly. But yeah, it, uh, it kind of got a little bit heated yesterday. Uh, had a couple of guys try to jump the line, and that didn't work out too well. The uh, uh, port police had to get on the guy's truck and kind of straighten him out. Uh, the uh, protest line was limiting limiting them to two trucks per hour, where the port actually has th uh, a throughput of 250 an hour. So you could, uh, you get cut back to one percent of your productivity. It's not it's not really good for people, you know. So yeah. I find it interesting that the police are like helping the protesters. <laughs> well, of I people mean, trying to get their job done. They don't want anybody to get injured. Yeah, I understand. That's that. a lot but of paperwork. Someone know. gets run over by one of these trucks, or, or someone gets. Uh, yeah, yeah, there's a lot here, of paperwork. I get it. Got, I get it. Here's the guy to jump the line right here. Yeah. Okay, so so we jumped. The, he tried to just get in the port. He was like, "I'm not a part of these. I don't care about your protest or your mission here. I just need to get my freight." Mm-hmm. Yeah, quote, he was a quote-unquote company driver, so I don't know if he was one of the independents or he worked for uh, the terminal at the port. But, yeah, he tried to jump out in front of the line, and uh, that didn't work out too well. Wait, did, did, we, did I read correctly that the Longshoremen's Union is going to stand with drivers on AB5? Is, is that I correct? Or what did that, what did that, that. say, Rooster? Uh, according to what was going around yesterday, and I believe it was in the, uh, in the article that Clarissa Halls put out yesterday, also uh, about a hundred of the of the longshoremen union workers came to work, saw that the protest was going on. They turned around, they went home, and you know uh, held up the fist and said, "We stand with you." So, yeah, now the port's being hit by all sides. You have the port truckers, the longshoremen, and the rail unions that are that are uh, at their throats. So it's not going to be a good time to be a, 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 a PMA negotiator. God, what do you make of all this AB5 stuff, Curtis? First of all, I think we need a, a collaborated calendar for strikes. You know, <laughs> you can't strike this week. Truckers are doing it. Um, yeah, it's <laughs> it's no, no surprise. I mean, we're so volatile right now as, you know, a world, an economy, an industry for sure. Uh, it's... All I keep hanging on to is it's all making us better in the long run, just rolling with punches, riding the waves, <laughs> and only stress what we can control. So, <laughs> it, you know, it's the, I agree with you with the rolling calendar, right? We've got some stuff over in the over in Europe that is kind of going there. It, it seems like I was talking to Sal Mercagliano about how all this is going to line up, and in 30 years are going to be looking back, going, "How did all this crap line up together?" And this was it. Right. But my question to you guys there, Rooster, and and is is where, where do you see this? So this guy's trying to get in there yesterday, right? And he tries to run the, he didn't even try to run these guys over, I don't think. But I mean, he's just trying to get his job done. These other guys won't let him. What side are you on there? Well, I mean, I understand AB5, you're against AB5. But when it comes down to that, this guy's got to feed his family too. He just wants to get his job done. What do you do? That's something you got to look ahead and break. see what's going on on the ground. Oh, sorry. Yeah. Doing... <laughs> yeah, go start, Justin. You already got it. Get, yeah, get go, ahead, Justin. Justin. go ahead, Go ahead, Justin. Yeah, you... I'm going to be a tirade. <laughs> They've been talking about this stuff for weeks. You know, we knew this was coming. You know, if you're going there trying to get a job done, it's not happening. You know, you got to plan accordingly. That's no, I mean, I understand that. I'm just saying. <laughs> well, okay. what, what's going on today, Rooster? Are more protests at the port? More protests uh, expected in Southern California or Northern California or all of California? 
according to the reports they were supposed to strike today, but you know, local news has this blacked out. You can't find anything there. And, you know, other than mm. uh, what you see on TikTok, Facebook, or on uh, Clarissa Hall's that was here yesterday, uh, it's, you can't find this on YouTube or anything anywhere. So, you know, it's media is trying to control the narrative pretty hard on this. In my opinion, oh. this is, you know, AB5, you know, do you want to be a lease operator? Do you want to be an owner operator? Do you want to be a company guy? What AB5 to me is that it's took away the freedom of choice and they're trying to force feed these independent drivers into companies though know, that will put them under forced dispatch mm-hmm. and you know, tell regulate them though how many loads you can haul a day, how much money you can make a day, uh, will you work today or not? So, you know, it, it really is one of the reasons a lot of people that get their own authority, that go start their own companies, you know, just to keep the freedom of choice of, of to do what they want to do. Mm. Yeah, I, I agree with you. And I, I mean, it, it's the the uh, motivation behind it that is uh, perplexing to me. Find Follow the money. This is one of those perfect cases in my mind. Sure. Follow the money and there it is. Somebody's going to make uh, money out of this. Somebody's gaining power because I sure as hell didn't hear a bunch of truckers running around going, man, I wish we were forced into this. Well, no, that's why I was I thought it was interesting that I saw that the 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 Longshore Union was was going to stand with with these guys because it was actually a union that sort of put together a union rep that put together this AB5 thing. And they were, you know, they were chanting and, and banging their cowbell. I was so happy when it when in when the Supreme Court made their decision. Right, Rooster? Yeah, we uh, the take Michael Vince's words. We are following the money on this. And we're yeah. uh, the author of the AB5 bill who is now not no longer a legislator. She is now taking a, a job uh, with these unions and then you know, say, hey, uh, I'm bringing you uh, no, no, all these these are uh, now a uh, force fed of company employees to you that are not going to be happy with their work. They're going to want to unionize. And here's your union, new union members, your new uh, union dues to help us out. Darn right. Wow. Darn so, right. Sir, in your opinion, what, what would be the most potent trigger point here to resolve this, or at least get some light at the end of the tunnel? If you could say one thing. The way it, uh, the best thing to do if you're a lease operator, I hate to say it, go ahead, get your full authority, get your MC dot, get your USDOT if you want to stay and keep your freedom of choice to do what you want. If not, well, you, you can see that uh, mega carriers are starting to expand into ports. We had JB Hunt uh, last week put in a uh, an extension of their services out there at, uh, I believe it was at uh, Port Long Beach. So, yeah, the the mega carriers smell the blood in the water. They're going to be uh, going after these drivers as soon as California starts pushing hard on the AB5 and start finding people. Just, wow. as, just as info, I, I did speak to some LTL contacts this morning, and they're not really feeling the pain too much uh, in the LTL carrier world. So as info, hope I mean, if it, if it continues on, I'm sure everybody will be, uh, but not a whole lot in the LTL world being impacted yet. Well, I got something for you guys. Tech Radar. They put out a headline that said, this truck simulator setup is so real, you can practically smell the plastic pee bottles. Vincent, you and I kind of looked at this, but we weren't even really entirely sure what the hell we were looking at the other day. So we have some professionals to help us figure out what I we're know, seeing here. Roll I know the tape a pee bottle when I see it. <laughs> yeah. Well, yes, but pee bottle simulator 2000. Pee bottle simulator 2000. So here we go. What are we looking at here? Who's the, who's the biggest truck nerd here that can tell us what's going on? Is it you, Rooster? Yeah, fortunately, I am the gamer of the group. Uh, 
Uh, this is Rico Trucker off of TikTok. He also has a Twitch and a YouTube channel. He has built himself his own trucking simulator, including authentic Kenworth dashboard there. And yes, the gauges do work. He's uh, playing the American Trucking Simulator by, I believe it's SMS Software. Uh, they have a very complex uh, user interface where you can actually, if you have it, hook it up to components necessary to have the actual gauges and work. Uh, that's a Logitech gear shifter he has that that's, you know, simulates an 18-speed shifter. He's even brought in his own uh, captain's chairs for <laughs> putting wood flooring, like you see in some of the custom trucks. He's got that is sweet. Is he's got his LED lighting, a, a CB that he can use, and uh, yeah, he, he even has a driver-facing dash cam he's using for his own uh, <laughs> for wow. his own streaming. You know, to see. Wow. <laughs> What, so what is this? What is the fake? What is the fake CB radio? Is that like a? Uh, is that like your game headset instead of a headset or a parrot? You got a fake CB radio? <laughs> I haven't found that out exactly, but I'm thinking that he could be using that as a mic. So yeah, yeah. that's what I was thinking. Oh, oh, but, but in simulator, is there like a mode that? Is there like a CB mode so all the people playing could just like communicate with each other or or like an yeah, internal there is chat convoy player. mode? Oh, oh okay, there you go. That's it. Is there? Oh, they're multiplayer. Now, how I haven't gone that far in detail. I only got like 20 hours in the game, you know. I picked it up on Steam Summer Sale for cheap, so I'm still going through all of it. So, yeah. Uh, but, yeah, that's a, a whole lot of work. Uh, he, he claims it's about $3,000 mm. worth of, uh, I bet it is. of yeah. options he's put there. I think more. Uh, I, think that sounds low. Yeah. I think that's, that's low end. Looking. That sounds, yeah. Those look like there... leather seats there. I know. Bro. He's got like real, like, go get an option package on your own <laughs> so, truck. Wait, no, it'll cost you more than $3,000 so, like, with some of that con stuff. Convoy mode. Are you playing like Smoky and the Bandit mo mode? And, like, like uh, are you... Does he sleep in a parking lot at night just to like have the real feeling? <laughs> he goes out <laughs> like, and sleeps in the Actually, there is a sleeper in the game. There's a sleeper on my controller in his room. Wow. Is there an ice road trucker mode? What? Ice road trucking. Uh, Ice road that's trucking. A whole different, that's a whole different game that's coming out. Oh, Alaska trucking simulator. Okay. okay. Dooner, dooner. That that's going to be for you, man. Yeah, I'm not so, computer gamer. Do they get that on uh, like Switch or PS5 or anything? It's coming to console, I do believe. So yeah, you'll right. be able to go to Walmart, pick up your your uh, steering wheel, racing wheel, and play it. What? What? Just. What is the weirdest thing that you've tried to do since you started playing this thing? I mean, did you immediately try and drive through a house or like jump a cliff or do anything do. like that? Uh, I think I got a screenshot hiding somewhere, but I got my first ticket inside 20 minutes. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, if you go well, over, it has like speed cameras and they'll just take it to you as you're driving down the highway. <laughs> well, guys, we have to jump over to the port of Baltimore in a minute here. I know you have a new podcast coming out uh, tomorrow with the California Trucking Association. Look at Back the Truck Up wherever you get podcasts. You can subscribe to it. It's audio only. There's no video on that one. Go to backthetruckup.com to read the latest stories from them and see some great TikToks at Back the Truck Up's TikTok where uh, Justin's lighting things on fire over there. Guys, have a great time. Thanks for joining us today. Thanks for having us. Good to see you, gentlemen. Take it easy. Meanwhile, take a look at this guy. So the horse right here, this is in New York. That was Rachel Premack's on the horse. And that's Rachel Premack. <laughs> is that he Rachel walks up to Rachel horse? Premack on her birthday. She may have uh, taken something. And this horse is making chase. Now, I had, a, I had a couple thoughts about this. One is there's no audio on this, but do they have like, do they have sirens on the horse? Does the guy have like a hat on? <laughs> if not, they should. <laughs> if not, they should. I'm wondering, why does this cop not have a lasso? That ends yeah. within the first three seconds if he's got well, a lasso. Well, this is New York, not Texas.
That's true. You don't know that's anything true. about Lassos that's up that's in the true. Northeast. Yeah. Yeah. But if this guy knew any parkour whatsoever, he would have been a gun. He would have been out of there, right? He's running in his dad's shoes. The shoes he is running like three in three sizes. Yeah, he's big. got like squishy shoes. Going yeah, I'm on. thinking I'm out running that horse. I don't think he's got the dex. The, you know, the the move side to side for me to you know through that traffic. All right, hard well, left around a car. Don't run from the horses in New York. They'll get. They got the giddy up. Do you Once remember you- what Vaughn Moore from AIT said last time he was on the show? He said, bigger isn't better. Better is better. Whether it's new offices in India, expanding life science operations in Europe, or acquiring one of the best final mile providers in the U.S., AIT's exponential growth is driven by anticipating and responding to customer needs. Discover how they can help your business gain fast, streamlined access to new markets at, tell them, dude. Hey, go to AITWorldwide.com immediately after this show. Good stuff. Hey, it's Bill Doyle. He's the executive director at Maryland Port Administration. And uh, judging by his accent, I think he might be from uh, the neighborhood. And I think he might even be from like the South Shore. You think he's, he's a, a very specific dialect? I lived over in Hanover for a while and Weymouth myself. I think uh, I think I might have identified uh, where Bill might be from. What's happening, Bill? Hey, how you fellas doing? Really, <laughs> uh, really on the show. I, I've said this before on social media, but I love the name Dooner and the Dude. I mean, that is that is really really cool. Uh, <laughs> but uh, excited to be on the program and. Yeah, that is Weymouth, and I think we had a uh, Twitter discussion about Denley Gardens and the best pizza. <laughs> yes. Oh. <laughs> I well, I was. How did you know that? You've already seen my sheet. I was going to ask you here because this is this can be controversial. Some people got Linwood, some people got Poopsies, some oh. have Alumni, and some have Cape Cod Cafe. Of those four, what's your pick for best bar pizza? Well, I mean, I still got to stick with Denley's, but if I was going to say right. something, it'd be the Lin- Linwood. Linwood. He's going Linwood. Going Linwood, smart man. But all right, how about this? Uh, short guy, Mary Lou's or Dunks? Oh, Duncan's. All right. All right. He's that Mary Lou's is like the only stronghold, like the only company in the South Shore has been able to get to fight back against Duncan a little bit. Yeah, I, you see, I have a theory on this, a conspiracy theory. You asked me for my conspiracy theory on Monday? Yeah. Here's my conspiracy theory. What is it? Boston and Bostonians and Southeast, they like Mary Lou's better. They just say Duncan's to keep us away from it. Us oh, non Bostoners. Okay. All right. Well, there's not many, very many uh, Mary Lou's in South Boston, but All right. I'll tell you that. Hey, what's going on over, <laughs> Billy? What's going on over at the port today? Tell uh, you know, I saw like when Nathan Strang was on. It was about two months ago. I remember we were talking about shortening the supply chain from Asia going through the port of Baltimore because you had that new Zim service. What's happened since? Well, I mean, we, we've added a few new services uh, recently, but the Zim service is unique in and of itself. Um, you know, it is a Southeast, Southeast Asia trade. Um, it's coming into the Port of Baltimore. It's the first call in the Port of Baltimore. And an interesting part of that is that Baltimore is marketing itself so much for, um, you know, to get into the Midwest, get into that Chicago market, get into that Detroit market, get into that Columbus, Ohio market. And ideally, that would start when we get to um, the... Howard Street Tunnel Construction Project, which is half a billion dollars. And we have broken ground on that. And But Zim has figured it out. So we're getting all kinds of volumes of on-rail with single stack into Chicago, um, somewhere in the range of uh, each ship, uh, 200 to 500 boxes per ship coming in. So the string is working out well uh, in Baltimore. We have two markets. We have the local market, the distribution center market in the Port of Baltimore, in and around the Port of Baltimore, has gone through the roof. We have seen more distribution centers, Amazon, Wayfair. We've got um, Home Depot, Floor and Decor, 
over Trade Point Atlantic, which was the old Sparrows Point shipyard. That is a distribution center mecca. So we're seeing the carriers, uh, the ocean carriers and the shippers and BCOs really focus on Baltimore for both that local mid-Atlantic market, but also what will be coming in the future, and they're testing it out now, into that Chicago base. So, so Bill, the the uh, the uh, uh, double stack train and that Holland or the ton, not Holland Tunnel, but the tunnel there. The, when is that going to be done? And that only affects the east to west trade, right? You can go north and south double stacked out of there, right? Oh uh, no! So his this is this is the one. This is the key. I mean that okay. that tunnel has been there since eighteen ninety five when it was constructed. Bedrock. Okay. So mm. here's the beauty of how this is a national. Um, strategic infrastructure project is that you can come from New England all the way to Baltimore, double stack. Uh-huh. You can come from Florida all the way to South Baltimore, double stack. But uh-huh. you cannot go through Baltimore, double stack. <laughs> Just like you into Baltimore, drop off your cargo from the ships, and you can only single stack to Chicago. When this project is done, and we're looking at the first quarter of 25, um, we are looking at um, uh, double stack up and down the East Coast and into the Ohio uh, Valley. Um, now, people ask, why does it take so long? All right, we call it the Howard Street Tunnel Project here in Maryland. Uh, as a matter of fact, the you know, you know, Maryland itself is putting in $202 million, part of an infra DOT grant of $125 million. Mm. CSX is kicking in $113 million. And then we've also got the um, uh, Pennsylvania, state of Pennsylvania, putting in um, $22.5 million because the Howard Street Tunnel project really encompasses the Howard Street Tunnel in Baltimore and 22 bridges between here and Philadelphia, meaning Baltimore and Philadelphia. So that's what we're looking at. It's a CSS network opens up the entire East Coast and that into the Ohio Valley Midwest. Okay, so what do you want to know about the port, man? I drove through that tunnel single stacked a few weeks ago with family uh, (laughs) on on my way up to Rhode Island. (laughs) The family was single stacked? (laughs) Can't attest to that. The vehicle was. Um, No, I was curious, aside from from an investment and a capital standpoint, what in your port, you know, is, is the most antiquated and and could be innovated now to to really put you guys ahead you know like what is there one thing you can narrow down that you guys are focusing you know data technology and innovation around yeah i mean we've we've got um see baltimore is just such a unique port we're not just containers i mean if we're looking at the container containerization itself it is the howard street tunnel and our um you know Interconnecting with our uh, intermodal container transfer facility, which is right on dock, okay, and which we just got another grant from a Chrissy grant from the Federal Railroad Administration, which we're going to connect. All these things are going to be connected together. Um, so that is the number one thing when we look at the uh, container side. But Baltimore is the number one, the largest importer and exporter of automobiles in the United States of America. We're also the largest importer of Roro. And what's interesting on Roro is that's your farm machinery, your high and heavy project cargo. You know, we've got Roros that come in and out of this port uh, multiple every day. Um, you know, and, and, and when we look at that on the automobile side, we're really starting to focus along with our truckers 
Road One, uh, another Massachusetts company, um, you know, they are um, in a pilot program right now um, for electrical vehicles. Okay, so it looks like they're going to purchase electric vehicle. They came in, they're testing it, um, uh, you know, right now here in the port of Baltimore to IKEA. So you've got the IKEA distribution center um, in Maryland. So we're going back and forth on that, and we're looking at that electrification piece, the technology piece for electrification, where would the, um, you know, the, 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 the actual charging stations be, how many round trips can you make to these distribution centers to come back? So we're looking at that um, uh, piece of the um, whole infrastructure uh, at the Port of Baltimore. It well, is Bill, part Bill, of... Speaking of the electric trucks, I, I wanted to bring that up to you because I, I saw this video. Roll this tape really quick. This is huge for the Port of Baltimore. That electric truck behind me is one of the first on the East Coast. Definitely the first in the Port of Baltimore. So you got that. You were there with standing in front of a Nicola Trey. Vince and I, we, Michael Vince and I, the dude and I, we got to ride in one of those yeah. over at Covenant right uh, about two months ago. How is it treating you so far? And in terms of that electrification infrastructure, will the charging be on, on the ports or uh, how does that network factor in to bring an electric trucking network to service ports? Well, we would, we would welcome the electrification um, charging stations, but the way it's set up right now is you would also have it at a distribution center. Okay, so the distribution centers themselves will put charging stations in and around, you know, once you get to the terms and conditions and how it works uh, on doing that. Right now, like if you were to take that Nikola vehicle, which Road One Intermodal is using the pilot program on, that can do about two and a half round trips on one charge. Okay, and then you'd have to have a charging station probably at the port. So we would like to do that. As a matter of, you know, we are, you know, from that row row standpoint. Uh, in automobiles, the largest in the U.S., so it just makes sense for us to do this. So we are reaching out and working with uh, the private sector folks, companies, and industries that, that provide those charging stations now. Bill, any labor concerns? I mean, the supply chain has been on like on fire the past week with AB5 protests, uh, Oakland this week, uh, SoCal Last week, you had the rail workers who they have 60 days to get it figured out. You've got uh, in West Coast, them working without a contract, the longshoremen workers. Sure. Are any concerns about these labor issues bleeding over to Baltimore? We're doing very well with labor. Um, you know, I, you know, my, part of my background is labor. Um, you know, I was a lab, labor negotiator on the union side. I, I can speak the language. I came out of the shipyards up there in Quincy and then worked on ships as a marine engineer, I'm a mass maritime graduate. So I was in the labor um, unions. It's just a heavily unionized industry. But here in Baltimore, you know, we have the best ILA workforce. Um, you know, I can say that. I mean, I know during COVID it was tough, but the union leadership and the union members really stepped up on, you know, the sanitation of the equipment, the mask wearing, um, you know, getting tests, uh, coming to work day in and day out, they you know they 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 punched the clock. They were in, um, and you know we had we had spikes in cargo that came through. Um, you need longshoremen to drive these vehicles and farm equipment off the ships, on the ships. You need the crane operators. You need the uh, yard hustlers. And I saw that you just had the video up with the um, with one of our um, union members, Christina Berry. Um, you know she was she she runs the containers back and forth to the stack. So. Our labor force is great. I, I think that they have done a, a, a tremendous job uh, in and around the port. And, you know, with me and labor and, you know, management, um, you know, I've done management. 
I'm in management. I've done labor. I've been in labor. Uh, you know, I'm that voice of reason. I, I, I can talk to anyone. And, and, and I keep that, I keep that uh, chain and line open um, 24-7. So I had a question too because I was looking at your background and you worked in dredging contracting too. We were talking to yep. Boston or Port of Boston earlier, dredging project they had to go. How extensive are those are those types of of projects? What's your familiar? I mean, in Boston we know the Big Dig obviously, and uh, and and all that's gone into that. And does Baltimore have uh, dredging issues too, like we do over in Boston with the just sediment coming in? Baltimore lives and dies by dredging. Mm-hmm. If we didn't have dredging, we wouldn't have ships. Remember. Uh, beside, except for, for the C&D Canal, um, which is basically a shortcut from Philadelphia to, uh, Philadelphia to uh, Baltimore, the ships enter uh, the Chesapeake Bay uh, down in Cape Henry, Virginia, and then they come up. So, you know, we were one of the first ports on the East Coast to get to the 50-foot channel. So we got the 50-foot channel, which is dredging. We have maintenance dredging that's going on year-round. Uh, and the important thing from an environmental standpoint on that where Baltimore, Maryland, and Maryland itself is a leader, is that when we dredge our material coming up through the Chesapeake, that entire stretch all the way up to the Francis Scott Key Bridge, that material is being used. We don't ocean dump it. We don't throw it back out in the ocean and just you know open up the hopper barge from the dredge and dump it into the ocean. We recycle it. We're rebuilding the coastal barrier islands in the Chesapeake Bay with that dredge material. So we do dredging all the time. And then you get into the inner harbor, and you guys are going to like this one. In the inner harbor, we can't use that for coastal restoration, but the material that we dredge in the inner harbor goes to what's called dredge management containment facilities. And we're using innovative reuse of that dredge material. And I'll give you a perfect example. You guys like sports. Sure. Is yeah. that Eldon Brick Company is one of the um, companies that is investigating our dredge material, we think it's going to be productive, and it would be used for brick pavers. Now, who's the Belden Brick Company? They built the bricks for Camden Yards. That's what but we've got say. them in here now. And hey, That's take our right. dredge material. Use well, you're go. a Sox, you got to be a Sox fan, though. They're ma- are they making it. you wear an Orioles hat and pretend you like Cal Ripken Jr. and stuff like that over there now? <laughs> Come on, man. No way. I still stick with the Sox. But, you know, hey, listen, if you want bricks, we'll give them bricks. <laughs> hey, Phil, thank you so much for coming. We'll have you back on uh, to go some deeper into some topics. I really like talking to you. A uh, guy from the block, have you on anytime. But in the meantime, people want to use Port of Baltimore or they want to connect with you. They got more questions. Where do I send them to? Uh, you can send them right to me. You can send it to uh, bdoyle at marylandports.com. Bill, is it Billy Doyle? Billy from Wayman. Billy, take it easy, buddy. Go Sox. We'll, uh, hopefully we, uh, hopefully we're out this year. Don't get back to the Yanks later on. That was horrible. Anyways. That was horrible. <laughs> it was a rough series, man. <laughs> uh, take it easy, brother. <laughs> don't play too much Keno out there. It's a big, big he, South Shore thing. He like, may have a chain wallet. He, he may have. They weren't that popular in Boston, and no? like they were in the nineties, mid nine, yeah. like Harvard yeah. Square. You'd see a lot of people chain wallets and stuff yeah. like that. But they kind of fell out of favor. <laughs> I think maybe even sooner than like the rest of society at large, because then I was in like Hollywood, and you would see people with chain wallets once in a while when I lived in Hollywood. Yeah, yeah, probably, yeah like on Melrose yeah. and stuff. Right. That was more likely. Uh, was, yeah. Yeah. But anyways, Curtis, now it is time to put a little spotlight on you. Do we have a spotlight? Can we try, we, I don't know if we have a spotlight. Do we have strobes. Do we have any cool lighting effects we can do? We have a da, 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 in the control room. I don't know if you guys even got to hear that. I did in my ear. Anyway, Curtis Garrett, tell us a little bit about what's going on. I didn't mean to to sort of like lift the cover on the box. That's okay. It's okay. We'll say we planned it. Yeah. Um, 
Yeah, no, I mean, first of all, my wife and I have been uh, hiding out in a cabin down here about 45 minutes south of Chattanooga. Uh, I told her I was out going out to birdwatch and ran up here to, to join you guys. Sweet. So wow. <laughs> hopefully she doesn't get too worried. Um, <laughs> no, I've, I've got some things going on in my life and, and you know, my lifetime career goal is is positively impact the LTL industry as best that I can. Um, so I've got kind of two primary uh, paths that, that I'm doing next. Um, as you mentioned, I'm joining forces with a Boston-based company, Freight Plus, uh, on their LTL. And we're going to try to combine you know, the freight experience, the, the execution experience that's there with some of the, uh, the, the Amazon, Amazon leadership experience uh, with some of the folks there as well with just being extremely customer obsessed, customer centric, use data innovation, kind of play the long game. Uh, to build something out really cool uh, in the LTL world. I can personally vouch for them. That was where I was before yeah. I came to Freightways. They were called Aborn and Company at the time. Steve Aborn is the CEO of the company. Yep. I heard his dad even works there now, too. His dad Steve works there, too. Works yeah. there. Yeah. Jill, the whole team. Jill, Jill Clifford, yep. Ben, the whole team. So can't wait to get started with them. I'll be up in Boston uh, the first week in August. Um, and then the other thing I've got on the go uh, is, you know, I, I've seen for a while that we we don't have enough simple education in the LTL world, visuals, uh, just common sense thinking. Um, and so I'm going to be launching a, a LTL education brand called Understand LTL. Mm. Nice. And I'm going to start with a full top to bottom LTL course uh, that's beneficial for shippers, carriers, 3PLs, technology companies, anybody in the industry um, kind of, you know, facing and from the perspective of all those companies um, and then just whatever folks need and, and want next, I'm going to, I'm going to start building and, and releasing it to the industry. What so. is the biggest wrong misconception that like the sort of Dunning-Kruger effect where, cause you're, you think you're good at one thing, you think you're good at everything. And it, it happens very easily in trucking because someone's good at OTR, full, full truckload shipments, right. FTL. They think they understand LTL. What is the, what, where are they screwing up? What are the, what do they usually get wrong? Yeah, that's a good question. I, I've seen where people that just, don't understand any LTL and, and know that they don't, they're typically easier to work with because they turn it over mm. to the experts. It's, <laughs> yeah. it's the ones that get, you know, some of the buzzwords under their belt. They, they throw around the FAKs and the czars and <laughs> some they of don't those understand words. what they mean, right? Yeah, yeah. Yeah. So it's, I mean, it's, it's all good. You know, every, uh, every deal, every company has its own challenge, but um, yeah, LTL is complex. I think we're, a lot of us are making some progress in simplifying it. Um, and you know, what old Dominion's doing with, with some of their new pricing initiatives are pretty cool. So I'm just happy to be along for the ride and, yeah. you know, contribute any way I can. Well, old Dominion in your, in your background, uh, gives you a pretty good pedigree. They're, they're one of those that, uh, have kicked ass yeah. in LTL for oh, yeah. quite a long time. Yeah. I joined them not knowing who they were, how good they were, yeah. just kind of fell into the industry, uh, in dock operations and, and drove for them for a little bit. So yeah. Yeah, no, it's invaluable experience um, being out there in the field, moving the freight, you know, just seeing how it physically loads in the trailers. And I, I agree. And I started out on a dock as well in LTO right. uh, at many 35 years ago. <laughs> so it's uh, and getting that. In, in, yeah, I don't know if you can fully understand LTO unless you grow up in that. Right? Oh, yeah, by, by the way, I forgot, to, that, so. I forgot to say we're almost out of time. I have a shirt for you for guest co-hosting with us, Curtis. Here you go. Oh, Take you. that home with you. You can thank wear it you. while you're hiking in the woods and all that stuff. Yes. Uh, you're starting over there pretty soon. In the meantime, people who want to connect with you, where do I send them? Send them to? Just send them to my LinkedIn. 
Um, that's where I'm the most active right now. Uh, that's where you'll see updates about the course coming up in the next couple weeks. So start there. Sounds thank good. Thank you guys. I've, I've been up since 3.30 in the morning. I had to drive the family to the airport, so I'm excited to get home after this. But I want to thank uh, Freight Waves <laughs> for sending us Rage and Premac, Mr. Curtis Garrison next to us, Port of Boston, for sharing that great information. Port of Maryland. Love talking to Billy. We'll have to have him back, too. And, of course, the BackTheTruckUp.com, guys. Go to BackTheTruckUp.com. Go to FreightWaves.com. Subscribe to What the Truck wherever you listen to podcasts. Find me at Timothy Duner. That's D-O-O-N-E-R. Find him at Michael Vincent. Tune in every Monday, Wednesday, and Friday. Don't be a stranger. Tell him how to be. Hey, peace and love. Spread it everywhere. <laughs> <laughs>